How's it South Africa? And thanks for listening to Farmers Inside Track, the country's most downloaded farmers podcast. Welcome to episode 280. I'm your host, Dornumdu. Now, whether you're a farmer, livestock transporter, or simply curious about what it takes to get livestock from the pastures to market, in this edition, we share the ultimate guide. We'll unpack the challenges, innovations, and discover the vital role safe and efficient livestock transportation plays in Mzanzi's agricultural sector. Over to you, Food for Mzanzi journalist Octavius Pandil and our expert, Sepiso Madicha, livestock farmer specializing in animal production and stud breeding. Thanks, Dawn. Sepiso Mampuru Madicha, welcome to Farmers Inside Track. Today, we will be picking your brain on some information regarding livestock transportation. What is required to transport livestock legally? Thank you, Octavia. It's very important for the vehicle, firstly, to be roadworthy. This is a crucial point in order to determine that your livestock reach their final destination in a safe condition. And depending on the type of livestock farmer that you are found, that vehicle accessories such as cattle rails also come in very handy, especially for when you are transporting sheep, goats or pigs, and as well that um, a trailer. I found that those livestock trailers also come in very handy. But specifically with these livestock trailers, to ensure that there's a mesh sheet on the floor of the trailer. Now this mesh sheet assists with preventing the livestock from slipping while they're in the trailer. And this prevents possible injuries. And as well, with the, if you're transporting with the buggy as well, the mesh sheet, there must also be a mesh sheet as well on the floor of the buggy. It also serves the same purpose as in the trailer. And with regards to the documentation of which is needed, the farmer owner will need a certificate of registration of the animal identification mark. Just to give a brief explanation, this document is basically a document which shows the owner's details and the specific identification mark which he can mark all his animals with, which will show the owner's identity. For instance, one owner can have the specific letters YIP. Now these letters, well, with regards to cattle, they can be branded on the, the cattle on each animal. And if it's sheep, they'll be tattooed. So if an owner is stopped on the way to a destination, the police will look at these marks and confirm with the certificate of registration copy that the owner will have on them. And as well, the document of identification, which is issued in terms of Article 6 of the Stock Theft Act, Act Number 57 of 1959, which goes hand in hand with the Livestock Removal Certificate, which is issued in terms of Article 8 of the Stock Theft Act, Act Number 57 of 1959. Now, these documents are readily available from the website of the Department of Agriculture and Rural Development. They are readily available for farmers to make use of whenever they need them for when they're transporting livestock. Thank you so much. And can you share with the listeners about the pinning of livestock? With us, what we do on our farms is that uh, 24 hours prior to transporting livestock, we put them in the pens. Sometimes we do it on the day of transport. And these very specific pins, we make sure because on our farms, we prioritize minimal stressing of our animals, especially before transport. So we ensure that every pen has um, access to an unlimited water and food. And as well, we separate animals between the sexes. So each pen will have male animals, another pen will have female animals. We put them separate. 
because you want to stress the animals as little as possible. And as well, just before slaughter, the males have never come into contact with the females before, so they may cause stress on the females if they come right at the end, just before transport. And as well, we also use the penning of our livestock for quarantine as well. When we purchase new animals on the farm, we quarantine them for about seven days or so. This period is essential for us observing the health of our new animals. If they need to be medicated, we will do so within that designated period. So we also do that within livestock pens that we have, but the quarantine ones put separate from the transport pens. We try to put them a little bit further away in order to prevent the transmission of possible diseases. And then we may have bigger problems. But with regards to the pens, each pen or each section is designated for the transport and quarantine. Mampuru, can you tell me a little bit about the movement of the hoof? There's quite a number of factors which play a role here. We can also go back to the fact that I mentioned quarantine prior and as well the biosecurity measures and as well the, the foot and mouth disease situation that we find ourselves in. But with regards to the quarantine, as I mentioned uh, prior to when we purchase new animals on the farm, we quarantine them for any period between 7 and 21 days. This is an observation period where we check the health of the animals. And as well for people who are exporting livestock, they quarantine their animals for a period of about 90 to 120 days. So this quarantine period is very crucial for observation of animals and also to prevent possible outbreaks of diseases which may occur. Quarantining animals is very important for making sure that we move animals that are fair, that are healthy healthy enough to be transported and won't be starting any plagues of any diseases in new areas which that disease never occurred before. If we just think back a little bit to last year, because to movement of the hoof we have, we're still going through it now, but the foot and mouth disease outbreak, this had very significant detrimental effects on farmers as well as the auction houses, as this led the minister to um, impose a 21-day ban on livestock transport. This has actually led to more stricter and higher biosecurity measures being put in place where now farmers who are farming in the high-risk FMD areas must trade their animals on their, in their own area and they are not allowed to bring them across to our area which is low-risk FMD areas. Now, this has also taught us to pay more higher attention to the biosecurity on our farms to ensure that the animal movement of the new animals on the farm and our animals that we take to a final destination, they are not contaminated en route and we end up losing our money due to unnecessary or unwarranted slaughter of contaminated or infected animals. So it's very important to have biosecurity measures in place to ensure that we move animals which are healthy and not infected with any diseases at all. And what about the watering and feeding process of livestock prior to loading? Now with regards to the loading and offloading procedure, most importantly, as I can repeat again, 
It is we regard the non-stress of our animals as very important. We do not like stressing our animals before transporting them. I've also noticed is that if you have proper facilities, this will prevent animals being possibly injured and as well the workers also being injured during loading of the animals as well. And as well on our farm, what we do is that we load our pigs very, very early in the mornings around five, half past five in the morning. Now, what we found about this is that pigs do not have sweat lanes. So they fall in the same group as dogs and chickens. So the fact that they do not have sweat lanes makes them very sensitive to hypothermia. So they pant a lot when they are very hot. The chances of um, us getting meat damage are very higher with the pigs. So when we load them in the very early in the morning, they're very cool and calm and the meat quality is not damaged. Whereas with the um, ruminant livestock such as the cattle and the sheep and the goats, we, we load them in the afternoons. They don't have a problem because they're heat tolerant. So they moved from the pen straight into a chute and they are chased from into that chute straight which leads them straight into trailer or the truck that they're going to so that shoot is a one-way uh, direction into the vehicle that they'll be transported in but what we also do there's a, a checklist that we perform quickly prior to loading offloading so what we do is that prior to loading we check the vehicle if it's able to carry all the animals that are to be carried so it does not make sense for you if you have a vehicle which can take five animals but you want to load 10 animals on it it doesn't make sense and it's also important as well to check all the gates on the vehicle as well that they're all functional they lock properly they move properly um, this can prevent unnecessary mishaps and as well it's important that the mesh sheet at the bottom must always be there in order to prevent injuries at the livestock and as well prior to loading must make sure all transport documents are present within the vehicle and they are properly filled in in order to prevent the police having issues with you along the way and as well prior to offloading it's very important that all animals are floated within a safe area and a safe area that animals will be able to calm down in a much quicker manner as compared to them being load, offloaded in an unsafe area they'll just be stressing and running around trying to figure out where they are and are they safe or not it's also important where the animals are offloaded there must be sufficient water in order to assist the animals to calm down and as well it's very important to ensure that the animals exit the vehicle in the correct way they must always exit the forward movement not in reverse because mostly animals who exit in reverse end up being injured. Well, what I found is that when we're feeding during transport is that, well, with us, when we transport our animals for an average trip of around three hours or so, we do not stop to give them any food or water. Because remember I mentioned that prior to us loading animals, give them unlimited access to water and food. So if we're just doing a three-hour trip, for instance, now on Sunday, we're going to do a three-hour trip from Blokwane to Pretoria for a goat show. We only stop to check the animals if they're fine. They're not stressing or anything, but we continue the journey. We do not give them any water or food because it's a three-hour trip and we usually 
to a lot of those so trips the animals are still fine but if it's any trip that's longer than three hours we always make sure that we stop and we give the animals sufficient water and food in order to help them with temperature regulation and reduce stress i always advise farmers if they're taking a trip that's longer than three hours and it's many animals stop halfway provide the animals with water and food to help them reduce the level of stress of the animals. I'm sure our listeners would be curious to know, what is the loading and offloading procedure? I cannot stress enough how I mentioned that we try on the farm, we try as much as possible not to stress our animals before loading them to transport them to the final destination. So we try by all means to ensure that prior to them being loaded they have unlimited access to water and feed and we do this in order to reduce the stress on the animals which are going to be transported so that's a very important uh, activity that we perform prior to loading of our livestock Mampuri, what i'm learning is as a livestock farmer you really need to have your ducks in a row but what I'm also curious about is the responsibility of drivers and owners when it comes to livestock and transportation. Drivers and the owners' responsibilities are very vast, but I'll just touch on the very important one that I deal with daily. And firstly, it's very important that all animals reach their destination alive. Nobody wants to lose their livestock in transit. And also it's responsibility to ensure that all paperwork is in order. There's no worse feeling than being detained because you are short one paper. That makes you look like a thief. And then all owners must ensure that animals are properly marked showing ownership of their livestock. This takes me back to that certificate of registration of the animal identification mark. Now, I'll just give you a practical example of this one now. Say with you now, Octavia, you register certificate of registration of animal identification mark, and then they give you the letters OSP. Now, it's very important that your animal, if you're dealing with cattle, the animals must be branded OSP on them. The police are going to look at the animals if they have those letters. If it's sheep or goats, they're going to look at the tattoos. In the ears. These will show ownership that these animals belong to Octavia. So that one is very important. All animals must be properly marked. And then it's very important as well that the animals must be stress free within the trailer. Then you know they won't hurt themselves or hurt other animals within the trailer and they will reach their destination while still being alive and not damaging their meat quality if you're dealing with slaughter animals. And all animals within the vehicle or the trailer must be able to maneuver easily. So which means they have enough space. There's enough space for each animal within the trailer to move. They're not squashed. And as well, all animals must be in a good condition to be transported. Now, we are currently in the dry season. So many farmers are struggling with um, sufficient grazing. So some farmers are moving the animals from one location to another. So now an animal that's very emaciated and in a very bad body condition is being loaded in a truck or a trailer and then they're loading many animals in the truck or trailer and then these animals fight, they knock each other over and then you find that there's many animals that are not able to get up. 
because obviously they're in a bad condition they do not have energy they're very weak so you find that farmers will lose animals because of that reason that animals are knocked over they're not able to get up they're stressed and then they die so it's very important to ensure that animals are in a good condition to be transported and some animals may even not even get on the trailer they just collapse on the loading ramp they're not able to get up because some farmers lose um, they load with the the cattle um, the cattle prods so those that electrical shock that shocks the animal as it's being loaded when it's in a bad condition it just knocks the animal over and it's unable to get up again there's very vast facets to this point but i believe i've touched on the important ones thanks octavius pandil and thanks for joining us here on this podcast zepiso madikha livestock farmer specializing in animal production and stud breeding Next up and before we let you go we celebrate this week's hashtag #soilsister vegetable farmer Bridget Motswasele she realized early in her farming journey that there'll always be a market for fresh produce in Mzanzi not necessarily strange i must say <laughs> if you remember very well we were in lockdown we were just facing walls we had nothing to do I think we spent the first few weeks being active, cooking, doing that and that, and until we finished all the activities that we had planned. By the way, I had planned to have a flat stomach then. <laughs> I had a full gym equipment board, but I didn't exercise even one day. So at some point, as information was coming out, there was fear around food scarcity. That was one of the reason that made us think about, you know what? Let's just go to the farm because we've had the farm since 2016, and it was just sitting there doing nothing. We previously did livestock, and it was stolen, so we had walked away from it. The lockdown refueled us. We went to our local store, bought seeds, applied for permit to move around because it was a bit far out from where we lived. We lived at the time, and we started planting. we bought those small packets of seeds and planted planted we didn't know what we were doing we went on youtube and we planted we came daily to water the seeds and the joy we had when we first saw the sprouts and we were like oh we can do this that's where the interest came from we then took a decision because we were seeing long queues at the stores long queues of people buying food stocking up and we thought let's produce our own food that's how the business idea started when the crops were ready it was quite a lot you know it was we were only three in the house at the time and we planted your variety from cabbage to beetroot to carrot and we were surprised cuz everything came out perfect as vegetables that we buy from the stores i don't know initially where we thought the vegetables were coming from so we thought you know what my parents are in soweto we have a lot of veggies and they are just going to waste let's go drop off for them as we dropped off you know the neighbors saw oh you've got veggies can you please bring for me next time when you come and we thought no you know we bought the seeds and because i'm a serial entrepreneur as well i love monetizing what i do i thought let's start selling and as we sold the vegetables we soon ran out we had to replant we had to start all over again i mean other than the spinach because as you harvest it keeps growing but the rest your beetroot your carrot once you pluck it out it's gone so we started replanting we started planting and we now have a steady market that we are supplying in soweto 
that grew from supplying my neighbors, my parents, and now supply the street vendors. You know, in Soweto we have these unique street vendors that push trolleys. They load their vegetables in the trolleys and they walk around. Normally they stop from the market, your market, uh, Johannesburg Fresh Produce Market. But we then brought the produce closer. You know, one came, can I buy five from you? Like, no problem, here's your five. The next day when we came, we had a queue of 10 of them. And at the moment, we can't even meet the need. You know, we can't supply. We're still trying to grow out, to grow some more and supply. But the one thing that I'm proud of is that I wasn't aware that market is there. People eat every day and people can afford to travel. Taking a taxi to town to buy when we can still bring the very same produce with better quality to them and for them to be fresh. Such a pleasure to have you join us here on Farmers Inside Track. Farmer Bridget Motswasele. She's one of the phenomenal women selected to participate in the 2023 Soil Sister Programme. Catch her full interview on www.foodformzanzi.co.za or Food from Zanzi's YouTube channel. And that's a wrap from me, Numdu, Octavius Pandil, our technical producer, Megan van der Fendt, and the rest of the hashtag Team Food from Zanzi. Thank you so much for listening. Bye for now. Life in South Africa can be a lot. I mean, scroll through Twitter for a minute and tell me I'm wrong. Thank God for South Africans though, right? We're inspiring, and even on the bad days, we fight back with a smile. That's why I love Food for Mzanzi so much. They're not ashamed to celebrate the ordinary unsung heroes who work every day to put food on our nation's tables. Go to foodformzanzi.co.za and never miss an inspiring story.